Today we will be looking at the four-day crime spree of Adrian Robinson, a time that shook the small town of Hamilton, Georgia and its surrounding areas. This case is still talked about amongst the residents today and people still have questions. What made Adrian snap? He was 25 years old at the time with his whole life ahead of him. Well, I'm here to give you all the details I can find, so sit tight. What's up, y'all? So first and foremost, I want to apologize for the delay. I am so sorry. I have been exhausted. Like, my child has been staying up to four, and I'm currently pregnant as well, and it's been tiring, but, you know, thank y'all for being patient, and we're going to go ahead and get to this case. Um... Before I go on, please know that listener discretion is advised. I will be discussing each murder in detail, and it may get a bit graphic, so hide your kids, hide whoever it's got a weak stomach, do what you got to do, but they don't need to hit this, honey. All right, so let's go ahead and get into it. So Adrian Robinson was the oldest of four boys from Hamilton, Georgia, in the Harris County area. Now, his parents were together for a very long time, but they never married and eventually separated. Um, both parents were actively involved in their children's lives. Even though they did separate eventually, they still was there for their kids at the end of the day. All of their sons wrestled, and their father even coached them, you know, with their wrestling careers. Many say he came from a very loving home, and he was a nice guy that always had a smile on his face. And, like, when I was looking at this um, show that covered his story, it was called um, Evil Lives Here, Shadows of Death. It's two different shows, Evil Lives Here, and then they have Evil Lives Here, Shadows of Death. His story is on Evil Lives Here, Shadows of Death. Um, They show, like, little videos, his friends from the wrestling team uh recorded of him and he just seemed like a regular Harris County dude. I'm talking my accent and all y'all just smiling, chilling country, laid back, chilling at practice. Like he wasn't isolated at all. He hung out with his friends and he eventually like he was good at wrestling, like really good because he became the state champ, like the best in Georgia. In his weight class his senior year of high school and Harris County is a small town like um, in case anybody doesn't know where they is Harris County is like 20 30 minutes outside of Columbus Georgia like it's not far from Columbus Georgia it's, it's one of those matter of fact if you stay in Harris County if you needed, like, something from, like, a big box store, like, Walmart or something, you would usually go to Columbus. Or, like, going out, like, to the movies or something, y'all going to Columbus. They only had one county high school. And so, like, everybody knew everybody. Like I said, like, if y'all was born there, shoot, went to school there, y'all knew each other. That was it. Y'all going to grow up together. The same kids. So you can imagine when he went on his crime spree that it just shook everyone. Like, everybody was shocked. And it still shakes them today. Like, some people avoid discussing it. Some people still talk about it. 
but they know the crimes he committed. Now, Adrian, after high school, he did go to college in Norfolk University for a short period of time. He started getting into a bit of trouble, and he only ended up doing three semesters of college. And he started being, uh, being arrested. I'm sorry. He started getting arrested. <laughs> Grammar. Okay. For petty crimes like forgery and like petty theft. Now, at one point, he lived in Connecticut with a roommate, and this is when his crime kind of elevated a little bit. You know, it, it was some red flags then, but him and his roommate got into a little scuffle, you know, and he assaulted his roommate and ran to a sheriff's substation, which was unoccupied at the time, and broke in by busting through the glass. And the glass was, like, thick, so he cut himself up. He had to go to the hospital and everything after he was arrested. And the, the responding officers asked him, they was like, you know, what you doing breaking into a sheriff's substation? Ain't nobody in here. You ain't going to get nothing out of this. What, what's going on? And he was like, he really had to use the phone. Like, him and his roommate got into an argument because he wouldn't let him use the phone, and he really had to use the phone. So he made the decision to break into a sheriff's substation to use the phone so the officers of course arrested him for assault and burglary and they said he seemed confused on drugs or off in some kind of way and he was married briefly and did have a child with his ex-wife and his ex-wife stated that during the relationship she believes he got into some drugs because he started to act a little different, you know, and I want y'all to remember that because we're going to go back to it. I want y'all to remember this tidbit, and I got another tidbit. Um, so she think he got into some drugs because, you know, he did a little switch. And I was unable to find more on his ex-wife and his child. And clearly they're working hard to stay out of the public eye. So I'm going to leave that alone. Just know the relationship is over and she was able to get her and her child away in time, thankfully. She saw the red flags and she booked it. Um, now I want y'all to remember that it seems as though, and I want y'all to remember that it seems as though he started doing drugs and he started getting violent when he left for college, which was around late teens, early 20s. Remember that because I want y'all to stick a pin and we're going to come back to it. Now let's get into the four-day crime spree. Y'all, I'm going to reiterate to please use list of discretion. I will discuss these crimes in great detail. Again, I'm going to let you know. And I it had my jaw on the floor, so be ready. So day one of the crime spree is March 23rd, 2003. Adrian was living with his father at the time. He, you know, moved back home because he, he couldn't hold down a job. He couldn't make ends meet. So, you know, he was like, well, Dad, I need to move back in with you. You know, stuff ain't working out right out here. I can't afford my rent. Let me come on back home so his daddy let him come back home and one day which was on march 23rd his uncle edward came by because neighbors like i said it's a, a close-knit community so his neighbors told his uncle you know calling his uncle of him was like you know it's a little commotion going on at your brother house like maybe you should check on them because we don't know what's going on and you know we we want everybody to be safe. You know, everybody cared about everybody. So his Uncle Edward and his aunt came by. And his Uncle Edward came to the door. 
knocked on the door to visit his brother, you know, check on everything. And his uncle stated that Adrian seemed out of sorts. Adrian is the one that answered the door. And Adrian seemed a bit out of sorts. Like, he was sweating, anxious, on the edge. And, of course, Edward was asking questions like, you know, y'all okay? Neighbors calling me, telling me, you know, it's a little something going on. I just want to make sure y'all good. You know, and I guess Adrian, he was like, look, I ain't got time for arguments. I ain't got to explain them to you because he started firing shots. Like, he was trying to do damage. But his uncle and his aunt was able to, like, hide behind their car and get away from the, the gunshots because their car was all shot up. And after that, he, Adrian took off running behind the house and started running through, like, 500 acres of woods, like, behind uh, Henry's house. Was 500 acres of woods and you know with him growing up in the house i'm sure him and his brothers kind of you know kind of knew at least a good chunk of the woods more than anybody else that doesn't live on the property so um edward called the police and the police came remember they still haven't ever still haven't seen his brother he's still worried about his brother so the police went into the house to see if his brother was okay. When they went into a bedroom, I believe that was Henry's bedroom, they saw a big pool of blood on the floor. And the police chief said it was a little bigger than the size of, like, the large garbage can tops that y'all put on the side of the road. So it was a good bit, like, enough to make somebody unconscious, like, can't move, but heart still beating, you know. Then they went further into the home, and this is where they made the gruesome discovery of 56-year-old father of four, Henry Robinson, in a makeshift tub of water with 16 shots in his chest and head area alone. And some sources even say that 15 of those shots were in his head, like all in his head or aimed at his head. Now, of course, this sparked the manhunt for Adrian because he's armed and dangerous. And plus, this small-town community, they worried about their uh, citizen. Like, what's going on, Adrian? You you good? Apparently, he's not because he just shot his daddy up. So, the police was on high guard when they started searching the woods because, like I said, Adrian was familiar with a piece of the woods. The police were not. So it could, they can easily get lost. Adrian could easily, like, run up on them. Sorry, y'all, I'm a little hoarse. <laughs> but Adrian could, like, easily run up on them, shoot them. Like, you know, the police chief was worried about the safety of his officers, too. But after searching for two days in those woods, of course, they came to the conclusion that Adrian ain't in them no more. He ain't in them woods no more, honey. So... Now they got to look elsewhere or, you know, call around, see what's going on. And on March 26th, Harris County Police ended up receiving a phone call from Virginia Police. And I know y'all like, dang, he went all the way to Virginia? Yes. Letting them know that they have Sister Lucy Christophic, and she has a story to tell. I hope I pronounced her name right. And she's able to fill in the blanks of the past two days when they was trying to look for Adrian. So when Adrian ran into the woods, he in the woods behind his house that same day on the 23rd, he ended up crossing the street to this Catholic church 
and he entered the mobile home behind the church where the two nuns lived. Like, you know, nuns live a little bit below their means. They just want the bare minimum, food and shelter. That's pretty much it. Food, shelter, water, because they devote their lives to helping the poor and needy, especially these two sisters, these two nuns. So they didn't really have much, but they ended up walking in on Adrian shuffling through their mobile home. So the two nuns that walked in was Sister Philomena Fogarty and Sister Lucy, Lucy Christophe. They caught him, and then, of course, he panicked. And he ended up bounding and gagging them. And he kidnapped them, forced them into their car, and stole $900 from them, which I believe was from, you know, one of their charities or the church or something like that, you know, getting ready to donate because they ain't really hold a lot of money on them. Now, he then drove over 600 miles to Norfolk, Virginia, with these two old women in his car, like, Sister Philomena was like 72 at the time, I believe. And matter of fact, I think she was like 78. And Sister Lucy Christophic, she was in her late 60s at the time. So they were, you know, old women. So I'm not some old folks strong now, but I mean, he was a wrestler. So I'm sure it didn't take him a lot to throw them in that car. And they were terrified. And then they knew him. Because it's a close community, whether you're Catholic or not, you knew Sister Philomena, you knew Sister Lucy. Like, Sister Philomena went to every funeral for pretty much every citizen who passed away in that community. Like, she was close to almost every family or knew anybody in passing. Like, they knew people. So... Of course, they was worried about Adrian, too. They like, why are you kidnapping us? What, what the freak going on? So he drove to Norfolk, Virginia. He wanted to check into a hotel, but he knew, like, look, I can't get out of here. I'm on police radar. They know I done killed my daddy. They know I done shot up uh, my uncle's car, and I'm on the run. And I got these two nuns. Like, I know they're going to be looking at me crazy. So I was listening to a podcast called It Wasn't Me that covered this story, too. And they were able to get a little more info on the conversation between um, this stranger and Adrian because Adrian ended up finding a stranger to book the hotel for him. He, you know, started riding around Norfolk and was like, you know, I need to get a random person to get this hotel. So he pulled up to a person and was like, look, man, I got my grandma in the car. She tired from riding all day. They won't let me get a hotel room because I don't have a proper ID. I just want to get some sleep. I just want to get them, you know get them together too so the dude was like okay he got a room for him i don't i would have been looking quite suspicious but you know whatever whatever he he got a room for them and he told the police that um Adrian, like I said, Adrian said his grandmother was sick in the car. She was tired, and they would give him, Adrian would give him some cash for getting him the room. So he gave him, like, $50 for getting the hotel room under his name at the Hampton Inn. So after he gets the room at the Hampton Inn, he was able to get the sisters, Philomena and Lucy, into the room undetected. How nobody saw him is beyond me. But he got them in. Like, I don't know if they were still bound. Because if I'm seeing, I don't know. 
I heard this saying the hindsight is twenty twenty, so I don't know what I would have did in that situation. But he then tied, when they got into the room, he tied Sister Lucy to the bed so she couldn't get away. And he took Sister Philomena into the bathroom and forced her into the tub and said he was going to cut her head off. That's what he told her. So he told her that he was going to kill her. So y'all, on the show that I told y'all about, Evil Lives Here, Shadows of Death, it's, um, I want to say season two, episode three. Um, it said that just before he dismembered Sister Philomena, her last words were, I forgive you. Y'all, I wanted to cry. Like you have to be a true woman of God to be able to say, I forgive you in the midst of all that's here. Know your life is about to end. Like, you got to come up with some true spiritual strength. Because, baby, I would have been terrified. And I mean, I'm sure she was terrified, too. But I'm talking about so terrified, I wouldn't have even thought of words. But let me go. But Sister Philomena was alive, y'all. When he cut her head off, she suffered. He took a, I'm going to show a picture of the um, weapon on my Instagram and my Facebook so y'all could see. Because y'all got to see. When I saw the weapon, I was like, he did that with that? He took a wooden handle carpet cutter. And like a carpet cutter, it's short. It's a short blade, but it curves too. Like, you got to do some slicing. Like, that ain't no, it, it seems to me that you would probably have to do some slicing because that's a short blade. But he cut off Sister Philomena's head, her hands, and her feet. While he was trying to discard of her body, Sister Lucy, thank God, was able to untie herself. And she was able to run to the front desk and contact the police. I'm sure the front desk folks was like, what the freak going on? But thankfully, they called the police because she was able to tell them everything, give them the rundown of the past two days of torture she went through. And they weren't even, like, nobody knew they was missing. They weren't reported missing. Now, it was only two days they had went by, so, you know, maybe they stick to themselves a lot. You know, maybe they those type of people. They grown women, so... I don't know, but every when when the um when they got the news that Sister Philomena and Sister Lucy was gone, Hamilton police was like, uh-uh, what? He done went crazy, crazy. We gotta go get them. Like, uh-uh. She was able to tell them everything. Everything that happened in their room because she heard absolutely everything. And gave she was able to get him an exact description of her car because he stole their car and the tag number. So they were able to put a bolo out on him, you know, uh, be on the lookout and told the public to be careful not to approach him because, of course, he is armed and dangerous. I mean, I know they thinking when they get to him, it's going to be like a set it off shootout because he didn't kill his daddy. He didn't kill the nun. It ain't no boundaries at this point, honey. There ain't no boundaries. He willing to kill anybody in his way, even himself, probably. Now. They end up finding the car by a swamp, but Adrian was able to get away through the swamp. In the car, though, the police end up finding Sister Philomena's head, hands, and both her feet. They didn't find her body yet. Now, finally, they caught up with him at a Burger King in Norfolk, Virginia at about 2 a.m. that Thursday. 
a cleaning worker so like burger king in the middle of the night somebody comes in and does like maintenance and cleaning for you know the employees that come in to cook and all that stuff now the cleaning worker recognized him from the news and activated a silent alarm y'all ain't no burger king had no silent alarm but they had it thank god and in the meantime you know he was trying to keep adrian calm like you know my dude you, you hungry you need something to eat so he started serving him cookies and pies while they waited for the police adrian didn't know that you know oh but it triggered the silent alarm and i can't imagine how anxious both of them were like i know adrian was on edge i know i would have been on edge as the employee I would have been terrified because I, I definitely wouldn't have been serving cookies. I would have been trying to run up out that bad boy. Now, they end up finding Sister Philomena Fogarty's body in a sleeping bag in a parking lot of an office complex in Virginia Beach. The secure, A security guard of the office complex end up seeing in the uh, parking lot. So they end up finding Sister Philomena's body. Now, he did not go to trial because, I mean, he automatically pled guilty. Everybody know what he did. But he did end up doing psych evaluation, and we were able to find out a few things. Now, this is where it gets even more interesting. He claimed that his father raped him, but there was no evidence of the accusation of sexual assault or nothing at all. Now, I'm not one of victim blame. I'm not. The only people that know that story is Adrian and Henry and one of them is dead so I, I don't know we don't know and none of them are here to even defend themselves so I'm just gonna leave that alone because baby we never know we never will know now it also was said that he believed he was being followed by the Polish mafia and aliens now, the psychologist or psychiatrist were able to conclude that he was suffering from paranoid schizophrenia. Now, y'all remember, I told y'all to remember his age and remember the fact that his ex-wife said that it seems like he got on drugs. Because you can go your whole life with no symptoms of schizophrenia and then symptoms can manifest in your late teens and they can be triggered by trauma, drug use, like something can trigger them. And that's why I said, remember that his wife said he got into some drugs because that could have triggered it. And he was in his early 20s. He was only 25 years old when he started committing these crimes. Well, when he did commit this crime. But remember, he uh, got aggressive with his roommate before that. So it, it seemed like it, it peaked at that early 20s age. Adrian pleaded guilty to all charges in Georgia and Virginia. He was eligible for the death penalty. Like, they, everybody wanted him to get to the death penalty, but the Catholic Church, his family, and even Sister Lucy Christophe, they petitioned for him to receive um, life in prison instead of death. And this is a direct quote. I know he ended up spending some time in, like, a mental hospital, but as of today, this is a direct quote from the cinemaholic.com on where he is now. It says, in mid-2003, Adrian pleaded guilty to the kidnapping, murder, and mutilation of Philomena in Virginia. 
He was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole plus 20 years and six months. Now, he was also convicted of, you know, his father's murder, too. In Georgia in 2005, Adrian pleaded guilty to murdering Henry and kidnapping Philomena and Lucy. He was handed down two consecutive life terms without the possibility of parole. In addition, Adrian was also given five life sentences plus 106 years for other charges that included armed robbery and aggravated assault. As per prison records, he remains incarcerated in the Greensville Correctional Center in Jarrett, Virginia. So he is incarcerated in Jarrett, Virginia right now at Greensville Correctional Center. Now, according to the first podcast I listened to, he was, you know, first in a mental hospital, I'm sure heavily guarded, and he was medicated at the time, too. But he had the option to go to a regular prison he ended up wanting to because I believe he said he, he didn't like the place like they were being abused. So now I guess he was able to get, he was granted that appeal and he was able to get into a regular prison. Now I want to take a moment to acknowledge both sisters because they did a lot for every community they stepped foot in. Sister Lucy Christophic, for my research, has celebrated 60 years as a nun. She traveled the world doing missionary work and lived, you know, having the bare minimum because she was dedicated to helping the poor and needy. Both women were. She really just lived with what she needed. And she was also a registered nurse and worked in the hospital for children. Sister Philomena was born in Ireland and spent time traveling and spreading the gospel as well. She lived the same way, you know, just with the bare minimum with her needs and helping the poor and needy as well. She had a major impact on Harris County in her time there. She started the charity Focus and the thrift store to raise money. And y'all, Focus thrift store is the cutest. It's in like a little house, a little old house. And... I never knew who started it. I've been there before, and I never knew who started Focus. And I just thought it was a regular old thrift store, but the thrift store was used to help, you know, people and families in need. They also had, like, um, what you call it, a food drive, I guess, you know, for families who needed food. You know, they was able to go to Focus and, you know, get foods for their families and stuff. And Sister Philomena, before she was murdered, she was three months three months shy of celebrating her 50th nun anniversary. She'd been a nun since she was 18, so pretty much her whole life. It was her whole life. Her family in Ireland were already preparing to come and celebrate her 50th nun anniversary with her. But they had to come back early to prepare for her funeral back in her home country. I believe it's called Cork. The town she's from is Cork in Ireland. And she was lovingly referred to as the Mother Teresa of Hamilton. This town is so small. They did know Adrian. Like I said, they did know Adrian and his family. And she attended every funeral of Sister Philomena in the community, whether they were Catholic or not. People said both women just showed a lot of love to everyone that came across. And they will always be remembered as making a major impact on every community they helped. And a lot of people, family members, friends, 
you know, people in the community. Even though Adrian went on his crime spree, they did they did still have a worry for him because everyone literally I'm talking about everyone, every interview I saw, everyone said that the Adrian they knew was not the Adrian they saw in the back of that police car. He wasn't. They was like, this is a total shock. Like they just wondering like what could they have done to help him? Like what happened? They was it's it was some genuine worry for Adrian. It was like they still they it didn't seem like it was anger or hate towards him. It just seemed like it was genuine worry from everybody. But y'all, that's the story on Adrian, and I mean. I'm from the Columbus area, and it still should like Columbus, because, you know, uh, Harris County is just outside of Columbus. And honestly, like, y'all, the crimes in my city is, like, retaliation crimes or domestic violent crimes, which are definitely, they definitely need to freaking end. And um, they're just as horrible. But this one was the first one that was, like, gruesome, and it was such a shock to everyone. It was, like... It was very random. Like, it's, it's, I hate to say you get used to crimes because you don't. It's going to always be a shock. But it was totally different from what we hear on the news. Like, if we cut on the news in Columbus, more than likely it's going to show, like, if it was a murder that happened or somebody's in the hospital or got shot, it's either, like, wrong place, wrong time. Or a retaliation kill or domestic violence. It's never this guy randomly took nuns, drugs from Virginia, dismembered him them. Like it, it was it was a shock. It shook people. Now I did not get updates on the family and I want honey, they've been through enough. They st- they just living their life. So they gonna always go through it. They're gonna always think about their brother their um son cousin friend they're gonna always think about it but about him because it shook them like i said but that's the story y'all again i thank y'all for being patient with me don't forget to join the discussion group on facebook um just search crime time with the fine dime so you'll stay updated i'm heavily active on that one like i talk to everybody on there um, TikTok, same thing. Instagram, same thing. Crime time with the fine dime. I'm going to post, I already posted photos of Adrian Robinson and I posted photos of his, each of his victims. And now I'm going to go ahead and post the photo of the weapon he used to kill Sister Philomena. So y'all go ahead and add me and go ahead and get the discussion popping about this case too. Cause I know y'all got a lot to say cause I had a lot of questions myself. But again, thank y'all for the patience with me. I know this is a late episode. And y'all be safe out there now, okay? Be safe. Peace and love. Bye, y'all.